Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, this morning, we're going to be talking to Michael Moore. And uh, my name is Tavita. And we're trying to figure out what it takes to do mission trips here. Um, and also, I'm just really interested in what Michael Moore is doing. Um, so, Michael Moore, can you tell us a little bit about your project? Okay, I'm not sure which project you're doing, you're talking about. Oh, what, so uh, what projects are you doing? I just list a couple off. Well, for one thing, so we have started a clinic in Haiti. So we're trying to get that up and going. So the orthotic prosthetic clinic where we have a local, uh, well, an American CPO, certified prosthetist orthotist, who's like at the top of his training, wow. uh, who's gone down, who is setting up this lab. And um, he will be training local Haitian prosthetist orthotists and improving their skills to be able to provide sustainable orthotic prosthetics for the local people in Haiti. Now, when I say sustainable, um, we're saying that we are wanting to provide these devices to the patients that, that are affordable to them so that they are paying for it. Because if we're basically working only on donations, that is not sustainable because we have such a thing as donor burnout. And so we, what's, what's we this feel donor, like we... What's the donor burnout? What do you mean? What's, what is donor burnout? Yeah, what is this donor burnout? So so if, if I come back, so let's say I say, oh, I'm going on this mission trip. And, and I say, okay, I'm going to need so much. And, okay, I'll give you uh, $100 for this year. And then I come back next year and say, Oh yeah, we're going on this mission trip again. And they, so they keep giving us a hundred dollars every year, every year, every year. And they're going, you're always coming and asking for money. Why aren't you being independent? Why aren't you being sustainable? In other words, why, why is it you need me to always give you money? I'm, mm -hmm. you know, most donors are more interested in being able to give money to get a project going and then have it be able to go on its own. You know, so start a business that's, that, that can, that can work. Awesome. So that, that is one of our biggest goals in this place in Haiti. And so that's really hard to do. If you look at the people in Haiti, mm -hmm. um, they are, why is it important for the, you know, the people in Haiti to pay? Is there any value in having them pay? Say that again. Is there any value in having the people from Haiti pay? Um, yes, because. Because, well, first of all, they are invested in it, but we need, so why do they need to be able to pay? Because we would like them to be independent, that we would like them to be able to sustain themselves. So after we're there for a few years and we have trained these local prosthetists, orthotists to be proficient and sustainable, then they don't need us anymore. They are there to do it themselves for their people. And that means that they need to be paid. How are they going to survive? They need to pay for their kids' education, for their kids' food, and for their car and for their equipment. And so how can we do it so that they can afford it themselves? So we have to make it sustainable within their country. So, mm. for instance, why is this important in Haiti? So you have the... 90% of the people in Haiti make less than $1,000 a year. That's $1,000 a year. 
So are we, are we going to provide for all of Haiti with our used components or with our stuff being shipped in and being donated? I don't think we're going to have enough donors to be able to pay for that. We want them to be able to pay for it because they, they need to be able to support themselves. So that's where, you know, one of the, one of our parts of this project is to, to use recycled plastic. There's, there's a system, a, a prosthetic system that's been used for years around the world, used by the International Red Cross. That is a polypropylene system. That's a common plastic we use. And so they have the components that are injection molded. So these are like the, the pipes, the pylons that, that you, and the attachments and the adjustments for changing the angles and everything. That's all done out of polypropylene. And they make a polypropylene socket that's custom made. And they will put that on to these plastic parts and you can make them very, very inexpensively. Now, if you're getting those from ICRC, International Red Cross, and you're having to pay for them. But if you have the molds yourself, then and you can inject that with recycled plastic that is thrown away from half, you know, when, when we make a, a, a socket or a, an AFO, a, a, a brace, a leg brace, we usually end up throwing away at least a third to a half of the plastic that we pulled. So that means half of our plastic that we even import is thrown away. And so why, why shouldn't we recycle that by grinding it up and remelting it and use it for other parts? Um, one of the cool things that happened this year is we had a student who took uh, some of our recycled plastic and made a sheet of plastic and made a custom socket for a patient using this recycled plastic and it worked great. I was able to stomp on it and it would not break. So we knew we had full strength and that was with a recycled plastic. So um, that was really cool. And when we shared that with our prosthetist in, in Haiti, he goes, man, I want that. I really want to be able to do that because we can save on our cost that way. And so, yeah, that's, that's a big project we're doing. Um, uh, yeah. Go ahead. So Any saving on costs. <clears throat> so saving on costs. I, so what would you say? Would you say the overhead is some of the most expensive things? I guess um, for me, when I'm I'm thinking about mission trips and um, making this sustainable, um, sustainability. You're saying if, let's say, they're making the money in order to support whatever is going on, how are medical providers being paid for? You know, I mean, that that must be a really difficult task in order to pay um, somebody like that, you know, um, and who's teaching so, these people? Yeah. So so the teaching part that I don't I, I think that's the part where we we use a donation or we need another outside source of income beyond what they make, because, you know, for instance, if we're sending somebody from here who's fairly new in the profession or they may have loans from their, from their education, or they may want to come back to the States eventually and, and have a retirement account and all that kind of stuff. They, if they're working on at the wage salaries of the local people, they wouldn't call, they wouldn't even go. They wouldn't be interested in coming. They, they can't afford it because 
they need that. They need more money here in America to be able to make it. And so, um, that's where we are looking for ways of, of supporting those guys who are there. So we have our guy, Tim Cleveland, who's there right now and he needs so much money to survive and to save. And so that when he comes back, he could, you know, he could buy a house or he could do whatever he needs to in his life and not be left behind because he went overseas for, uh, for three to five years, you know? Yeah. That's so, a long time. I mean, that's, that's, that's a long time. And, yeah. and so that's, that is a real, um, major, major sacrifice for people to make from here. Now they're going there and they're doing good work because they're teaching locals how to do it. So the part that needs to be sustainable is the local salaries. So there, so how we're setting it up business wise in Haiti is we're saying that the money that they make out of the prosthetics and orthotics that they, that they fabricate needs to cover all the employees that are working there from Haiti, including the salary for a manager. So and that comes out to be about $7,000 a year. Okay. That would be a local salary for, for a local prosthetist orthotist. So, wow, that's amazing. So we are saying that $7,000 a year, we need to make at least 7,000 a year to pay for our American CPO. And so that's being paid by the hospital from the money generated. The rest of it is the balance that we need for to sustain the American to be there. But when he's done and you hire a Haitian manager, mm -hmm. he's, he's making the local wage. And that's a good wage for local salaries. And, and they, can, that, that, they can support their family on that because that is the local rate for for the country and so that's yeah that's kind of how we have it set up oh that's amazing that's amazing um and so with this project um you guys will be following along uh hopefully we'll get an interview with him as well and his experience also the progress of this whole project and what we're trying to do and uh, maybe even get an interview with uh, the student that uh, made the plastic at some point as well um but yeah, also yeah, I think I think all this is going to be really interesting. Um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners today will uh, want to hear a little bit more about um, what other projects are you doing. So I guess that one's a huge project. And where is that one located? Well, you again? know, let, let me let me let me focus a little more back on that project. So okay. why are we doing this? We so I teach at Loma Linda University Orthotics and Prosthetics Department, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm the the director of the Outreach and Service Learning Program at our school. Okay. And so we require every student to get 80 hours of service hours in the two years they're in our program. So they can work locally in an OMP place or, or going to a local clinic or doing any type of rehab um, that they need, they're required to do that. And, and some of them will go on international mission trips. So, um, you know, we've, we've gone to Ethiopia. We've gone there uh, four times. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And what'd you so do in Ethiopia? We were, we went there to, and our purpose there was to teach local prosthetists, orthotists, some new techniques that they may not know. Wow. And, and so, so we, uh, one year, the first year we went, uh, to Vita went. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, and, and so. But who's the student we, that started? You know, that was. 
Yeah. Who's who's yeah, the so. student that started it? Was it who is it? The student it was, uh, Elise Elise Drayling. It was her name at the time, and so she had gone as as a international student and had met uh, Fevin, who was our guide, and and Fevin has an interesting. Uh, organization where she brings in people into Ethiopia from all over the world, um, people mm-hmm. that are experts in their field. And so you're having a, a holiday with a purpose kind of like, you know, so, so I mean, she brings amazing. them in and they're helping somebody locally and you're getting a, this cultural experience of being in Ethiopia. And, mm-hmm. you know, we go on trips while we're there. And, you know, one, one year we hiked up to, to the, these, churches that are carved out of mountains clear up high where you have to rock climb to get to church. And, and so the students went there on a Sunday, they were off of work, but you got to go and experience their culture, you know, in, in the middle of it. And so that's, that's, amazing. that's interesting and fun for the students, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, and then the other, the other thing that we're doing is by, by teaming up with a local partner, we're, we're making sure that the people that are being treated are being followed throughout the year because there's local people taking care of them. Kind of a unique thing about prosthetics and orthotics is you, you can't just go and give them something and you're done. Because what happens in three weeks when they have a sore on their leg because it needed to be adjusted yeah. and there's nobody there and you're, oh, I'll be back next year. Well, mm. you get an infection, you're going to have an amputation or or you can't wear your leg. And so you're right back where you started from. And it's just because it's hurting. And, and if you had a local prosthetist orthotist who was there to take, make that adjustment, then you're okay. So that's, that's why we were saying, well, we're not going to just go and make something for somebody come in there for a weekend and make them something and then leave. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Um, so, so that, mm-hmm. that, and then the other, the other challenge with Ethiopia is, is it's on the other side of the world. So, it's a four thousand dollar trip per person to go. Four thousand. Um, it was four thousand. Yeah, four thousand dollars, and so the the students had to come up with two thousand, and we had to come up with the other balance, and that's a challenge to get that every Man. single year. We need that amount, and the more people you have, the more money you need. Yeah. So that that's kind of a challenge. Um, I mean, but, that's like a know, really we, that's a lot. That's a big overhead, right? I mean, if you're that is a huge overhead. Yeah, and overhead is generally fixed costs. Um, so we're just talking about fixed costs, and then this is how much it's going to cost if this many students come. So if every every student had to pay four thousand um, dollars, that's a huge fixed cost. And then even if they had to pay two thousand, that's really expensive per student. Um, so yeah. we'll have to figure out a way to make that more manageable for yeah, um, students. And, and, yeah, and, and I mean, one of the advantages of the Haiti project is now we have a, a, a local person who we know, and we're at a sister hospital for, for our university. They're, they're, they're part of the same organization as we are, and so that reduced a lot of costs. They, they have students who come all the time from the medical school, from dental school, from the other schools in our, in our program at our, at our university. And so they're prepared for that. And so that reduces the cost a lot. It's not the other side of the world. It's in the Caribbean. And so it, it reduces the cost a lot. And so we, we are really encouraged because 
we see this as an opportunity of a place where we can send students for a couple weeks or because it's a running clinic, our students are required to do a clinical for a quarter at the end of their program. This is open to them. So they can go there and because you have a certified prosthesis orthotist, they can go there for that quarter. Or what about an actual orthotic or prosthetic residency Mm. where they can go for a year and get their residency requirement. They get this awesome experience of working in a, you know, economically challenged country and learn to be creative. And then they come back and take their exam and work in the States. And so, and, and talk about learning how to serve. They've been there serving, you know, and they've had to think outside the box to, to solve the problems with how are we, how are we going to make this for, you know, rather than a, a foot, a foot that we have to pay $1,500 for, we're providing a whole prosthesis patient cost at under $200. Yeah. They're why, getting why do you to, think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. They're getting to learn how to do all that. Yeah. That's amazing. Because I was just wondering, like, um, why do you think it's important for people to, like, to travel internationally? Why do you even think that the price tag of $2,000 is worth it for somebody to travel internationally? Do you think that it has something to do with maybe the rest of their life? Like, um, what are they, their discipline maybe? Do you think that they'll care more? What do you think um, the whole purpose of having these mission trips will do to a person? Well, there's a there's a lot of different things that that does for them. First of all, it it gets them out of their this environment, our American environment, where we're we're always we always have we we can buy the next good thing, you know, we can buy whatever we want on Amazon, and you know, and and it's very can be kind of a selfish mentality. This gets them out there. Oh wow, here's these people that are living that are much poorer than I am and yet they're happy and they are doing everything they can and they, they get to see this different perspective in the world that they don't normally have. You know, there are people that are that are very happy out there but they need help and and by giving to them it makes that you know, they they feel inspired to want to do it more. So I've seen students who go on a mission trip and then they come back and maybe they can't go on the mission trip in the next year, but now they get involved in local stuff. Even after they leave school, they stay involved in outreach of, of some kind locally or internationally. They join other organizations that are going international. If they hadn't had that experience, they wouldn't even know. I had one time, we, another, another project we've, we've been doing, and we're going to start it up again probably in January, is going to Mexico once a quarter. And this, this one's a, is a close trip. We just go for one day. We, we, we run a clinic. Um, but we're going every three months. So there's a little more consistently we, consistency. We want to uh, link up with a local process orthotist. Maybe we can get via support to him so he can take care of those adjustments in between. Um, but there was an incident where we had one student go and he was required to go because he had the 80 hours. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'll go to Mexico, whatever, you know. And he was very nonchalant, very like, oh, who cares? You know, this isn't meaningful. And halfway through the day there, he, he took me aside. He goes, this is amazing. He says, 
I wow. I would come back and do this anytime. Wow. Even if I wasn't, even if I had all my service learning hours, I would come back and do this anytime. Wow. And and before he graduated, he says, you know, you you you've been so good for me to to really be able to see what service is about. And he, it just, it was transformative for, for the student. I mean, he really, he was going there because he had to. Oh yeah. At first. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. he didn't even want to go, but okay, I'll go to Mexico if I have to, you know, I'll get a good, a good amount of hours so I can get my 80 hours and I'm done. Yeah. But now he's like, I don't care if I got my 80 hours. I want to go again anyway, because this was so cool to be able to see the happy faces of the people that were helping there who don't have any help from yeah. anybody locally. You know, when we, we go to this little village in, in, in Mexico, they're half an hour, 45 minutes from the next town. Where do you well, guys go? In, oh, where do you, where do you guys go in particular? I mean, I know we're talking about uh, Mexico, but where do you guys go? Um, we're going to a, a place called La Misión in Baja, Mexico. We go, um, it's halfway between, um, ah, my, the name, there's space in it, but it's just like four hours from here. Oh, so, so we it's drive four hours. four hours and we get there. And oh. it's just in northern Baja. We go through Tijuana and we hit, hit the beach and we just head on down. And, and so the people that are there are so poor that most of them do not have cars. And if they do, they don't have gas for their car. So if they have a disability or they need some help, it is extremely difficult for them to drive the 45 minutes to get to the next town to get some help. Yeah. Don't you so think it's dangerous? To, what? Do you believe it's dangerous out there too? To go well? to Mexico? Yeah, yeah, to go to Mexico. I mean, I know it's no, poor actually, and impoverished, Baja, but do you think so? Yeah, Baja is, is not dangerous because – they like uh, the American tourists there because they bring them a lot of money. <laughs> so they make uh, sure it's safe. Oh, okay. So, uh, <laughs> but we, there's a clinic there that was started by a graduate from Loma Linda and, and PA, the physician's assistant program. And she is their medical care in town. Who's that? And so she is a real, um, uh, 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 you had to ask me, <laughs> I'm just getting <laughs> mental black. Like, oh, that's okay. Right now. That's a- um, um Keep going. But, but, you know, she, she started, she went down there with her husband who went to University of Redmond and uh, she went down there something like 12 years ago and they went there to go there for six months to work in an orphanage and they are still there 12 years later and they have set up this beautiful clinic. They got a, they built a new building just like three years ago. Wow. And it's beautiful. And, and, you know, at first they were having their clinic outside and, and the patients are having to stand in the sun and the, you know, and it's hot there. Oh, no. and, and, and so she says one of her goals is to have an air conditioned waiting room that they can wait for her. Wow. And she has that now. And so, and she's a real connector. So she brings in cardiologists, she brings in ophthalmologists, she brings in dentists from the U S. And so she has this clinic where people will come and be able to get this extra physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech. So when we go, we go as a team. Now we go with those, those four groups. Every time we go, we go with them. And then the dentists go at another time. 
But, wow. you know, we work very closely with PTs and OTs, occupational therapy and physical therapy. And then rehab, the other rehab team member, if you're working with a stroke patient, you need speech, you know. So um, the, we all go down there. We have like about 25 people go and we go for a weekend. We drive down Friday, Saturday. We work all day in the clinic. We have a little bit of fun Sunday morning and then we drive back sat, uh, Sunday afternoon and, and we go through the border town and we get all this really good food. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think that, that to me right there makes it worth it right there. <laughs> that's amazing. And what that, that's just Mexico, right? That's, um, that's a few, you try to do it. How often do you try to do that? I mean, of we try course, to do that once, once, a quarter, so once a quarter, once a quarter, once a quarter, try to get there. Uh huh. And what other uh, projects there are? I mean, you said, um, so go ahead and go through your projects again. It was, so, so those, those are the, so we have the Ethiopia project that we have been doing Ethiopia? and they're at war right now. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, we have the, the Haiti project now that we're going to start being able to ship students there. And then we've been part of ROMP, Range of Motion Project, mm-hmm. which is another nonprofit organization, but they take students to Guatemala and um, they make like in 10 days, they make a whole bunch of prosthetics for the locals. And they work mm-hmm. out of a clinic that's there year round, but they're just taking care of extra load. Yeah. And so we, we have them going there. So these are the international, the international ones that we have going plus the Mexico trip. So, the, and then we have, uh, we had one group, a couple of students who went with another organization to Belize. Belize. And that one, they went like once a year. Where and exactly that, that is one, Belize for those that are listening? Belize is between Guatemala, Honduras, and Mexico. There you out go. On the on the Caribbean side, and and they're very poor, and I mean they're the only OMP there in the country, and they would go once a year. So as wow. we said before, how is that sustainable? How is that helping them? Now, if you got one that works, and it's you know that's great, but then if it doesn't fit in three months, what are you going to do? What is the patient going to do? So, um, you know that's why we try to be involved with either setting up a clinic or or going frequently or being linked with a local clinic so that we know that the patients, you know, here's an example. We went to Mexico yeah, and I saw some, some patients mm-hmm. um, that were there. They had braces on and two of the three patients we saw had wounds on their ankle, really bad wounds. And they had had their braces made by another organization from L.A. that had gone down there. And then they said, oh, yeah, but then these other guys came from Canada, and they made these really nice braces, and but they don't come back. Oh, no. You still here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's that's terrible. And so, so mm-hmm. that's, that's just it. So they have these open wounds that could get infected that could be amputated. You know, it's why. So, so I was like, man, I'm not even sure we're doing the right thing here. That's why we want to link up with the local guy there so that we have follow-up mm-hmm. and they have follow-up. And, you know, so that's where we're looking at what we're doing in Haiti. And so, so these are poor people. They don't have money. Yeah. Well, we can't do that because no one's paying for them. So we're not going to treat these people. Oh, no. Well, wait mm-hmm. a second. If you had this capability of recycling plastic, and we could get you some equipment. We could get it donated to you, and, and you could then treat them and, and charge less for them. Then you could still be supporting yourself and helping these people at the same time. 
yeah, they're not as nice as our nice carbon feet, but they can get up and walk around and they can go, you know, they can go work in the field now. They yeah. can go support their family instead of begging or not having anything or having somebody else work for them. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that that right there is sustainability. So if you're going to just to say, what is sustainably sustainability look like in other countries it seems that you're saying education like educating locals um Mm -hmm. is a big part of it also i think you're also saying is having people willing or giving people opportunity in order to go on these missions and these mission trips yeah some of them are really expensive and they're all the way around the world but it may create a spark or a flame in an individual or a person to maybe do it exactly. more often or donate more or understanding. I think I was hearing something, uh, I was reading a book and uh, it was talking about um, people hating other people and it had nothing. And he was talking about how it's, it's, it's only people hate other people or people feel negative about other people up until they get to know the individual. So as soon as they actually talk to the person, get to know the person, actually more personable, um, even though they have different ideas or maybe have different theories uh, about God or whatever it is, um, they can at least respect each other and they can actually mm-hmm. be there for each other. And I, and I think mm-hmm. that you're bringing humanity back into the eyes of the people that are being sent there. And I think that that's super important because I can disagree with somebody and respect somebody. Um, But then also I can, if I knew in the back of my mind, a person from either Haiti, Africa, or a specific person like Fevin, um, the the individual you're talking about, this powerful woman in Ethiopia trying to do great things. And I knew that my dollar really, really mattered. Then Mm -hmm. I probably would give that dollar willingly and quickly. Um, I do have a quick story. Well, when I was in, when I was, when I was homeless, uh, I was trying to do this thing where I was in like a, a place for, I'll talk about it later, but I was in a place for a long time in distress and I, I didn't have much on me, but I had change in my backpack. Uh, and I was walking, uh, with another home with a homeless person. We were just talking, have a good conversation. And we bumped into somebody at like the bus station and we were talking to him and he was in distress and he needed 50 cents or whatever we had in order to take the bus to go to this court um, in order for him not to get arrested or wherever it was. And, and he was sitting there trying to pay for this bus. And um, I remember uh, the guy, the guy who was with me, the homeless guy that was with me, uh, I won't mention his main name here. I'll mention it later, but uh, he was taught he gave whatever he had in his pocket and in my back of my mind i had a hesitation in the back of my mind i was like this guy's probably gonna use it for drugs or whatever and then i just reminded myself to be it you're here he literally has to pay for the bus here and then um there's this humanity you know like kind of came over my head mm-hmm. and i was like are you crazy <laughs> like of course you should give him the money he's not going to use it for anything else he's right here and i think there's that judgment that happens. And this is just homeless in the United States. You know, this is not homeless yeah. internationally. This is homeless in the United States. And this was a bus pass to go to a place. Um, but when I gave that money, 
I'm not going to say that I'm great or I'm wonderful or I'm the most humble person ever. I'm not going to say any of that. I'm just going to say I gave that money real in shame. I gave it in shame. I was, I was ashamed that I even thought that, you know, but I gave it to him and I realized, man, I should have just saw him as a human being, you know, that was asking for help. You know, not trying yeah. to figure out why he needs it or what he's going to be doing. I should have just gave him the money in order for him. And even though I gave it to him, I learned a lesson, a very valuable lesson. Humanize individuals. Allow your mind to not wander in this inhuman era and like uh, all people are evil and they're going to do something terrible with it. You know, I, I should have humanized him first. And then made my decision after that. And I don't know, I, I learned something important. And that was my important lesson was um, humanize the individuals before you judge them. <laughs> and uh, I think internationally, it works the same way. Uh, when you go on a mission trip, I went on a mission trip with uh, to Ethiopia and things of that nature. And I had uh, this imagination of, you know, things that I would do. But in reality, I couldn't do most of the things I was thinking of. You know, I didn't understand the mm -hmm. process uh, or what it takes in order <laughs> to do some of this stuff. And the reason I'm talking about that is um, you're giving people a good segue into something that is being built, that's being made, that's prepared for them. So if uh -huh. I'm like, let's say I'm a healthcare provider, you gave me a place to, to try to use what I've learned to share with other people. And that benefits me because now I'm going to know it for sure. I cannot tell you. I was teaching four Barneys in Ethiopia. I never forgot. I, I remember taking the board <laughs> exam and I knew exactly what to put as my answer. And then I just thought yeah. back and I was like, you know, that's, that's why it's not exactly why we do it, but there's this education that educates me as well. Just being put out there to do something that's uncomfortable makes it so I have to learn it the most that I possibly can. And I think this tradition that you're saying, you're you're an educator in education, educating people about education, you know, and the importance of it. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, this cycle is a better cycle than thinking of, oh, I need donations. Oh, I need money for this and that and this and that. Because you're, you're actually thinking about it, education first. Like, how do we get educated people to help other people you're thinking about the broad picture uh money is just you know <laughs> i think it's like a chain like you're forced to pay attention to it and look at it but i'm i hope through i hope through this podcast and when people listen in i hope they understand uh what you're trying to do here you know what you're trying to do here is um, educate those in education to educate others. I know it's like a big loop of education. Um, and everybody that's listening, um, you can get involved um, locally. You can start locally or you can um, contact uh, me. Uh, Michael Moore has a lot of emails. So um, I'll have a I'll have a, a link in the description down below and we'll have another link just for donations specifically to um, the missions that Michael Moore was talking about. Um, how many missions were you talking about? You were three, right? There was Mexico, right? There is uh, Haiti uh -huh. and Haiti. Um, Haiti. And then what was the third one? Well, we have Guatemala, Guatemala and we have and and 
potentially Ethiopia again. And then hopefully Ethiopia again. And I think um, hopefully through what we're doing here, talking about it, uh, I hope we can raise, not really raise, well, raise funds to support the overhead in order to eliminate all this overhead cost. And, you know, that, that would be wonderful. That'd be so wonderful. Um, Cause that would save you a lot of time. Yeah. And I really, the the thing I really appreciate it because kind of the long, long, long term goal for me is, you know, we have this network of hospitals all over the world that, that are, that are connected to our organization. And, why not take what we've learned in Haiti after that's going well and set up clinics in those other countries because Haiti is just one place and that's only one place in Haiti, but we have other hospitals all over the world that need orthotic and prosthetic help. Yeah. The disabled people around the world. I mean, I, I, when I was doing my master's degree, I did a, I, I did a research thing on, on uh, the you know how how much need there was, and there was a study that was done that I remember reading, where they compared four different countries, and one of them was Vietnam, which has a school, mm-hmm. and then they did I think one in Africa, and then one other one, and they showed that the one that had a school, yeah, they were treating forty percent of the people in need. Okay. And that was a good number. So 40% of the disabled in Vietnam are being taken care of because they have a school there. The wow. other, the other places that didn't have a school, mm-hmm. 12% to 14 or 16% were being taken care of. Everybody else doesn't get anything. Whoa. So, nothing. And there was a need for something like 40,000 certified prosthetists orthotists around the world. So anything that we can do to encourage education mm-hmm. and to start clinics in those places where people can work and get paid yeah. and anything we can do to make it sustainable so that they can get paid mm-hmm. needs to be done. And so that's where, yeah, you, we need to be able to set up a clinic in, in uh, Malawi, Africa. You know, that's way off the beaten track. That's worse than going to Ethiopia as far as cost. Mm-hmm. But if those costs are covered, um, then we can send them there and they can get the experience they want and they can also benefit the people that are there. Yeah. And we need to do that around the world. I mean, that that's amazing. It, it would be amazing to get rid of that overhead cost, like you're saying, and then be able to go to places that really, really need it. And it's, they just need the education. Humans are very, very capable people. Um, Yeah. yeah, For me, I I truly can see that even when I was in Ethiopia, even right here, like people are capable. They just need to know what they're looking for. Right. So if they know, Oh, they need to cover their leg with plastic. How do we do that? And then give them some form of plaster or something that they already use, concrete, barbed wire. I'm not really sure what they have out there. And that way it's sustainable for them in order to make molds and do casts and things of that nature. And then they can be self-sustaining and they can figure out um, what it is that they need to do with the materials that they have. And I know 
that they can probably figure out something that might work or it might be at least better than what they already have now. Um, I think, for example, if people are going to the restroom, maybe in the water that they drink, right, or something like that, but they're not educated in understanding that that's bad, right, they all would get sick. That makes sense. If you're drinking water from the ground that just puddles after it rains and you're just drinking it, you know, that and dogs are peeing and pooping all over the ground, you know, you might, if you were just to educate them and let not just them, just anybody in the community to tell them not to do that, you would reduce your medical costs, right? Just yeah. in general, reducing and, medical costs. You know, and there's organizations that are going and providing wells for local communities. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, just a hole in the ground that gets to the water that's under there that's, that's pure water. Yeah. And then they can drink good water. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's another great and, benefit. Yeah, it. I think, and, and it's not even that hard, right? Well, it is hard. It is difficult. Like I say, it's not difficult um, completely. But what I'm saying is the education makes everything easier for them to obtain. And um, I really think that what you're doing is awesome. And then what all these other people are doing. And hopefully we can get Bevan on the podcast, talk to her a little bit as well. Um, and then talk to all these wonderful people that are doing amazing things. And what I, what I have noticed um, amazing people connect with amazing people. So if you start out doing missions and you're traveling the world, doing mission trips and things, you will see just even in a perspective of just myself looking in, you'll see parts and you'll see things that no one else would see. And you could either, you can help support locals by, I don't know, uh, rose oil, uh, Fevon was talking about how there's factories that make rose oil, but they don't have the connection to the United States, right? There are a lot of connections that are not even being made that should be made in order to support these people in these communities. I really appreciate what Fevon has been doing as a business person. Um, I appreciate what you've been doing as like, um, as doing missions and teaching. Uh, and I think the one thing I do want to know, just to end it off over here in about eight minutes or so, um, why do you do it? Why do you do this? Missions, well, me, trips. It's, very, and... it, it's, it's, well, it's fulfilling. Now, I was born in Nicaragua. Where's so that? That is in Central America. That is south of. It's between Costa Rica and Honduras in Central America. And so I had a different Mm. perspective than many of the people that I went to school with after we came back to the States because I had lived in those countries as a kid. I had seen the poverty. I had seen, you know, and and I, I got to know them. I had a different perspective than most people in America and, and it's like, so now I'm a prosopist orthotist and I've wanted my whole life in the field and I've been in the field for 37 years. What is this I've prosthetics orthotics? So I'm so sorry. Um, for the listeners, what is the orthotist prosthetist? What is this? What is that? So this is the orthotist is a, me- a person who makes body braces. So like leg braces, like force gump braces. Oh, okay. <laughs> or okay. The plastic ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a prosthetist makes prostheses or artificial arms and legs. Ah. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what a prosthetist orthotist is. And, 
So I've been doing that for 37 years now. And, and I always wanted to be able to be able to go and do that in these other countries where I saw more need than what we have here. We have a need here. We really do. We have a need for more students Mm -hmm. because the boomers are going into, you know, in America are retiring and they're going to be hitting those years as diabetes is on the rise. Diabetes is a major cause of amputation. So there's even more need coming in the future for our profession in the United States. But if it's needed here, how much more is it needed in these countries that don't have money? Oh, I see. Um, and so that that is a big push for me because having been born over there, having you know been a missionary missionary kid, you know my dad was over there as a doctor and he's doing all these amazing things with nothing. Um, you know, it, it's like that's what I wanted to do, and so yeah. And that's what. Well, that's what gives you that passion to serve and to do service for others. Is that why you want to go out there and help? Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And, and now it's inspiring mm-hmm. others to go and do it because, you know, I'm, I'm later in my career. You know, it's like how do we get the, the, the younger generation, the people that are coming into the field to get excited, and that's where – Oh, it's required that you do this in your program. And then they get the thing. Then we have people who want to go to Haiti and these other places later on after their prosthesis because they see the need and they want to, they want to meet that need. I think that that's amazing. I, I really do. And I, and I, I'm like that, that that's awesome that you're able to do what you, you can do. And you have a job that allows you to do such things. And when you're talking because I'm sure there's just going to be an audience of people out there doing a lot of stuff, maybe tech or maybe they don't have anything just yet. Um, no career choices as of right now, whatever it is. Um, what do you think the mindset of a missionary is? You know, I mean, w- let's let's think about missionary for a second. When I think missionary, I think... Um, somebody that goes out and builds a house, right? Or maybe a clinic or something like that. Um, but what you're doing, it sounds to me like it's a specialized mission trip for those that completed school or it, or in the process of school, um, doing medical training in order to accomplish a goal. So physical therapy, uh, physical therapy are those that are trained in the arts of physical therapy and then occupational therapy. These are allied health. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So what would you have to say for those that are maybe not in those specific professions that want to get involved in medical health or want to get involved with um, education and things of that nature? Are you saying these are people who aren't into orthotics and prosthetics? and are interested in that? How can they get involved? Oh, no. Um, So what about um, those that are not currently in medical that want to be Uh involved in maybe the things that you are doing? Well, okay. So first of all, you would, would, I mean, if you're interested in the field, um, because you're hearing what we're doing, I mean, this is a very mechanical field. We're working with healthcare. We're helping people, but we're also working in a shop. So 
that's kind of a unique type of person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so go get educated, you know, come to Loma Linda and, and learn prosthetics and orthotics. I mean, we have students who come in there who've never held a hammer before their first day, um, but they're out there in two and a half years. They have their master's degree, and, and they're they're out there in the field. And, you know, within a couple of years, they're, they're full CPOs, and, and they're doing what they want to do. And That's they're able amazing. to do this kind of work. So that would be one thing. Yeah. But let's say if, if you're you're if you're a person who who wants to help and you're not in the medical field and you want to go over there, there's get involved in other types of international trips. You know, mm. there's ones who go and build houses, like you said. There are some who go and and work in orphanages. There are some that go and dig wells, and you know, so there's there's ways that you can get the sting, the the service sting is like that. I've been stung and now I can't stop it. You know. Yeah, but um, but if you have specific interest in orthotics and prosthetics, you know, come to Loma Linda. We're into service learning. We're into these mission trips as locally and internationally, and uh, you all get to be involved in it. Yeah, and you don't get to. You have to be. Yeah, <laughs> and I think um, at least uh, some of the draw towards orthotics and prosthetics, the, the field that uh, you teach. Um, is you can get a patient to walk in, not walking in a wheelchair, and by the end of the by the end of all the appointments, there's multiple appointments. It's not just one. Um, you could possibly get them to start walking again. You know, they can go in with a wheelchair and leave with a leg. They can walk on their own. They can become more independent. Um, and allowing people to have a lifestyle that you know, better suits them. Of course, it's not perfect. We can't say they, they can sprint and run and skip, um, but we can say that um, it can get them to a lifestyle that they're way more comfortable with, and it's just more apparent uh, when you have less, right? When you're international, when you're out in the world where there are not a lot of prosthetists, orthotist people, or physical therapists, or occupational therapists, or speech therapists. There's not a lot of those out there. And I think physical therapy and occupational therapy are very important as well. Um, but if you have nothing to walk on, right, um, the therapy is going to be very difficult. I can see that. Yeah. That's one of the more inspiring things. And and I think a lot of the listeners maybe. um mostly see hands like those mechanical hands with batteries in it and uh yeah that that is not a thing out there just because uh it's very fragile those mechanical hands and if they're fragile and somebody breaks out on the farm there's no way that's going to get back there's yeah there's no way you're going to repair that i mean you could repair that just be way more expensive and it's slow those things are not quick and they're not sensitive enough. <laughs> and if you sweat, or, there's a bunch of stuff. We can probably talk about prosthetics in a def- different podcasts. Like, uh, what are the perceptions of prosthetics internationally? You know, and what are mm-hmm. the perceptions of prosthetics within America, within the UK? And what do people expect to do? <laughs> with these prosthetics and what they actually can do? I, I think, uh, one thing I did learn um, practicing just for a few years um, is uh, realistic expectations is such an important thing to talk to people about. 
when you're sitting down with patients. And um, we'll probably talk about a whole section of that with you. Uh, realistic expectations, uh, even when it comes down to bracing, right? When you go to Mexico or wherever it was and you make a brace that's really cool and you leave for a year and then they wore out their skin, you know, they're expecting mm -hmm. this brace to maybe heal them, you know? Maybe they think, maybe somebody might think, oh, the doctor guy or this person that knows more than me um, told me to put it on, so I'm just going to keep it on. Uh, it hurts, but I'm sure it's fixing the problem, right? Yeah. And yeah. Right? And I think um, allowing them, setting really proper expectations, speaking the language helps, you know, really, really describing, letting them know, uh, but having an educated individual to educate them, have appointments, make sure they're following the rules. And here's another thing. When patients say stuff, like that is not a hundred percent true all the time, you know, within America, you know, uh, people don't like, people will say what they need to say. And then the real, then you realize that he wasn't, have you ever had this happen? And you realize by asking them questions that they're, they were not telling you the full and complete truth, which caused everything to make it worse. Have yeah. you ever had that happen with a patient oh, yeah. in America? And it wasn't because I had of it happen in America. I, I had <laughs> it happen in Mexico. And it wasn't because you didn't tell them, right? You told them. Right. And you're very upfront and you made sure they understood. But why do you think that happens? Yeah, I think I think it's because they they want to well, I, I mean, the one that's coming to mind is the, the first patient we saw in Mexico. She needed an arm, and so we made her an arm. And I could tell that she wasn't totally happy with it. But because media got involved, and she was faking that she was happy with it. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? And it was like, um, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, that's not. That's not. Oh, so It's terrible. Yeah. But did so, she, did she actually, is she actually using the device? The yeah, she, she is using it. She okay. is using it. And she was disappointed but because I, the aesthetics of it? Well, I think, I think the soccer was a different design than what she thought. And it was bigger um, than she thought. You know, she's, she's, she's probably, she's a little girl. And so she's, uh. she's probably ready for another one now anyway. So she didn't. I made her an adjustable socket thinking that would be better for her. And she didn't like the strap on it. You know, she'd rather not have the strap. She'd rather oh. have it a different way. And, you know, and, and, but, but when you talk with her initially or whatever, um, you didn't get any feedback on that, you know, Oh, whatever you say will do, you know? And, and so it's really important to be able to listen to your patients and understand where their perspective is and what they're wanting. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I mean, their expectations are. And then and then try to educate them on what they can expect and what they can't, you know? Yeah. So And I'm sure we'll Well this we'll, has been good. We'll talk about we'll talk about all of those experience in depth later. Um I'm just glad that we kind of have this rough idea of all the things that you're working on and everything that you want to be doing in the future. Um, I just want to say thank you for your time, Michael Moore. And, um, also we'll have more conversations and hopefully we can talk to individuals that, uh, either were impacted by missions or, and if people want to donate 
um, please, the biggest donation that you guys can give is just liking and downloading this podcast or sharing it to somebody. I mean, that would really, really help. Uh, we're just trying to make it so that people can hear the stories of those that are in need um, around the world. And we're doing that through education. Um, education and providing um, hopefully good content. And also, um, I hope you have a wonderful day. And Michael Moore, do you have anything um, to say? I just thank you for this opportunity to share my experience with you and to talk with you about this whole deal. I really appreciate Oh, did you cut out here? Oh man, I think I think there was a little bit of a cutout here. Um but um I think just to just to end off, um I I'm really, really passionate about learning and seeing what he has in store for us um in the future. Anyway. Thank you for following. Have a good day. <laughs> Peace.